Some people are born under a lucky star, while others have their misfortune telegraphed by the position of the planets. Cassiopeia Tun, named after a constellation, was born under the most rotten star imaginable in the firmament. She was 18, penniless, and had grown up in Ukemil, a drab town where mule-drawn railcars stopped twice a week and the sun scorched out dreams. She was reasonable enough to recognize that many other young women lived in equally drab, equally small towns. However, she doubted that many other young women had to endure the living hell that was her daily life in Grandfather Cirilo Leva's house. Welcome to Story Girls, a fortnightly podcast about books with a dash of absurdity. I'm Lindsay. I'm Alicia. And today we are talking about Gods of Jade and Shadow by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. Okay. All right. So let's read the back of the book. <laughs> a young woman and a Mayan death god embark on a life-changing journey in this one-of-a-kind fairy tale inspired by Mexican folklore. The jazz age is a time of daring dances and fast music, but not for Cassiopeia Tun. She's stuck in her dusty small town performing menial chores until the day she opens a curious wooden box and accidentally frees an imprisoned deity. What? In the company of the strangely alluring god and armed only with her wits, Cassiopeia begins an adventure replete with malicious ghosts, shape-changing sorcerers, and powerful magic. Her cross-country odyssey will take her from the jungles of Yucatan to the bright lights of Mexico City and deep into the darkness of the Mayan underworld. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, wait, don't we have a sound effect for that? Oh! There it is. There it is. Okay, so once again, Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, current living author, <laughs> as I feel like most of our authors this season are. It's quite a turn for us. It is a turn. Um, so she is, her website says she is Mexican by birth and Canadian by inclination. So I think she grew up in, or I don't know actually when she moved to Canada. She went to the University of British Columbia and she has written a bunch of books, a bunch of um, short fiction, a bunch of novels. And it's, I think that she's pretty unique in that she doesn't really stick to a certain type of book. Like she writes all over the place, different genres, different types of books. And she has said that she has no interest in writing the same genre more than once. So, hmm. um, although she does kind of tend towards fantasy, I think, oh, okay. but in different, she takes different spins on it. So, um, this is, um, I have read three of her books. This one is by far my favorite. Okay. Um, Signal to Noise was her debut novel, which. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and more recently she's been quite, um, popular for her book, Mexican Gothic, which I'm seeing all over the place, which was an interesting one, but very, very gross. Oh. <laughs> very gross. It's got, it's got more of a horror element to it. Oh, okay. Which horror is not really my thing, but mm-hmm. um, I definitely recommended it to some people I know who would love it because of the grossness, but grossness, not for me. Mm. Ew. But this book, I love. I also love this book. Yeah. All right. Shall we get into it? Let's get into it. Gonna pull up. All right. Oh, here we are already. What do we got? 
magic moment. Favorite oh. part. Oh. Yeah, I feel like we started off with this last time too. Hmm. But yeah. Do you have any off the top of your head? Yes. Okay. I'm trying to remember what they were. <laughs> <laughs> so not quite on the top of your head. No, not quite on the top of my head. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got one on the top of my head. Okay. Which is the train trip mm-hmm. um, that they take from Mexico City to El Paso. Okay. So it's like the longer train trip and it's quite a ways into their journey. And so they're really starting to have more like interesting conversations and um, she, they talk about, um, they're, they're falling for each other basically yeah. by that point. And Is yeah. this the train trip where they go to like the observation car? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, is it any different than the cabin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's so confused. Um, but yeah, I just really like that part because I think that, yeah, they're starting to really connect in like a deeper way yeah. and their conversations are much more personal mm-hmm. and they really start to like learn more about each other and he's becoming more human. So I feel like maybe we should backtrack a little bit and just say, <laughs> I just want to say that my, it's not really a moment, but it's one of my favorite things about this book is the whole premise of like, uh-huh. she's, so he, she gets his bone shard embedded in her hand, which is how he's able to come back to life mm-hmm. and walk the earth because he's a god of death. Mm-hmm. So he's slowly draining her life force mm-hmm. to sustain himself, mm-hmm. which means that she's slowly dying. It also means that he's slowly become more human. Mm-hmm. And I just love that whole tension yeah. throughout this book. I think it's so good. Yeah. So during this train ride, he's getting like, he's at a point where he's getting like pretty human, but he's still, I think it's a part where she's like, he's changing back and forth. Like one minute he'll be like, just like a, like a guy, like a young man. And the next minute he's like very remote again yeah, and like stony, like a God, but then like, he's really shifting back and forth. Well, I like how the book makes clear at one point that he's like, he's a God. He's existed mm-hmm. for thousands of years, mm-hmm. but because he is falling for her and mm-hmm. interested in her, he is, when he's becoming human, he is mirroring her mm-hmm. because she is young. He is becoming young. Yeah. Like yeah. he could have easily have turned into a 50 year old right. man. Like, yeah. um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love like those little moments throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like, it's not a magic moment, but throughout like she, I mean, we find out like, and it kind of becomes clear on and off. Like we find out she's, she's a good looking woman, mm-hmm. but she has never been made to feel like she is worthwhile of anything. Yeah. And, um, and like the one thing that she could kind of see on her own was that she had nice hair. Yeah. Um, and I like how whenever she's kind of like, you know, vexed about her appearance through all these changes that are happening, her hair, she has to lop up for him mm-hmm. and whatnot. And like, she's kind of embarrassedly speaking about her concerns over her looks yeah. that he doesn't like belittle those feelings. Yeah. He responds to them very honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're positive things. Like, But he's like, it's very matter of fact. It's very yeah. matter of fact. And I like that because I feel so often that in our culture, like if you're concerned about your looks, you're considered mm-hmm. vain. But mm-hmm. then if you're unconcerned about your looks, like you can also be yeah, like- That's not accepted either. That's not accepted either. Yeah. Like women have all these pressures. And I also feel like because- 
I mean, men have pressures, but different pressures. Mm -hmm. It's seen as frivolous at the same time. And he does not treat it frivolously. No. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, I also like that um, owls are messengers and they bring things in shells. That is very sweet. Yeah. Also very, they, they are... Depicted very scary. Yes. Very un-Harry Potter-like in this one. Well, because these particular owls are from Shibalba, the yeah. underworld, right? So they're scary death owls. They're scary death owls. And the, the biggest one is huge. Yeah. Like Martin you could, can ride it. Could ride it around. But uh, yeah, I just really love that when um, Hun Keme laughs for the first time, the owl takes his laugh in a seashell mm-hmm. to his brother to be and like, the size. Oh, what happened? The size. He takes the size in little snail shells. Yes. Yeah. So sweet. Mm-hmm. I also really like the part. But also evil. Yeah. <laughs> sweet slash evil. I like the snake part on the death on the black road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like how it describes snakes mm-hmm. that they really like decorum. Yeah. <laughs> They're like yeah. so proper. They are, yeah. And like that they like will help restore like the yeah. rightful God. Like they're all, yeah, I really like the snakes. Yeah. It definitely yeah. makes you be like, oh yeah, snakes are, snakes are cool. Well, especially cause it's like got two heads. Yeah. And like she's just mm-hmm. like, Hey, mm-hmm. you got some extra heads there. Yeah. Want to help a girl out? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. I like the snake part for sure. Just the way mm-hmm. that they're described. Um, yeah, and this isn't really a part either, but I just like the interweaving of the de- portraits of Mexico in the mm-hmm. nineteen late 1920s mm-hmm, and, like, mm-hmm. the different cities. And it kind of gives you, like, very brief little bits of history and culture and to say, like, oh, like, in this town, like, ev- everything European was, like, considered the height of, yes, you know, culture. And so, like, people would sprinkle French words in. And then, like, in Mexico City, it's, like, all about America and flappers. And, like, yeah, I just... Um, I thought that was really fascinating. And mm-hmm. the part where they go to the carnival in Veracruz and it's talking about like Veracruz's history with like intertwined with the slave trade and um, how like the class structures are still very much in place in all of these places that they mm-hmm. go to. But they're like in the carnival, on the night of the carnival, like class is just like politely set aside and everyone just parties together. Mm-hmm. And then the next day it's back to being like upper class and lower class. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, I really like it. it, You feel like a little bit like you're traveling, like, Mm because you're like, you're kind of the way that she's being introduced to the cities, you're seeing it through her eyes. Yeah. yeah. Particularly at this time to do such traveling is Mm -hmm. quite nice, but it's so vivid. It is. And it definitely makes you also want to time travel. Like, Mm -hmm. it would be amazing to go to Mexico City in Mm -hmm. the 20s and like witness the flappers. Yeah. Well, even like the construction and like the different, like, um, like neighborhoods mm-hmm. that she was describing mm-hmm. was very interesting. A time of yeah. change for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And as someone who's never been to Mexico, it no. definitely made me want to go to Mexico. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Oh, favorite character, honorable mention plus pull a prompt from the character cues. Okay. Oh. This is tough. Well, this is tough because I feel like with these books, if you don't like the main character, mm-hmm. then you're not reading the book. Right. So I like Cassiopeia Tun. Yeah. <laughs> she, she is a really great character. Yeah. Um, I like, well, because I do like, um, as the 
back of the book describes, like she is, um, she's a smart, like she's got mm-hmm. some good wits. She yeah. does. And she's got like a nice backbone. Yeah. I really like how that it was set up that she um, was considered haughty by her cousin and her family from the beginning. So her cousin, Martin, Martin, Martin. I don't know. It's got an accent on the eye. Mm. Martin? I don't know. Martin? So her cousin Martin, who she (laughs) lives with in her grandfather's house, is like always pretty horrible to her. And it's because she won't um, like bend the knee, basically. Mm -hmm. And she's got like that inner like core of pride and self-assurance. So that's something. And there's a part where it's quite near the beginning where she's just been like dragged off by this god. She takes it remarkably well when this god, like for someone who like did not grow up in a world where magical things happened, all of a sudden this god's bones like assemble itself and he's like, well, we better go. And she's like, let's take the tram. (laughs) I just ultimately got hilarious. This like god resurrects and is like, Getting on the tram. <laughs> yeah. And they just like ride in silence on the tram. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's funny. I like how he does give her props for that later. Mm-hmm. Like she, like mm-hmm. he's, he recognizes that from the beginning, like I was always going to have to take you and it was really great. You weren't just like freaking out and <laughs> yeah. I was going to have to like drag you around while you screamed. <laughs> Seriously. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. And so anyway, they're, she's all dirty and gross and then they go to um, Laura. House. Oh, yeah. I do like the Laurie House part. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, what does he call her? A soiled parcel? <laughs> and then she remembers that she's haughty. Yes. Right? <laughs> she's like, wait a minute. She's like, stands up straighter and she like starts sassing him back. And yeah, yep. she's a really good character. She's a great character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like the parts where she remembers. I think at one point Cinderella is actually mentioned, mm-hmm. right? Because she's kind of been Cinderella-ified yeah. by her family. Mm-hmm. But unlike Cinderella, who like remains sweet and mm-hmm. kind and beautiful and like takes it all with like a grain of salt and like, yeah. you know, she's like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> she's like <laughs> whacks her cousin with a stick and really like, bleeding copious. Yeah. And yeah. she never like just like submits and like no. is like, I'm going to just pretend the sun is always shining. Like, like her mother does. Yeah. yeah. Which is a much more, um, I think truthful, like, and relatable and relatable. Sure. I have to say though, that I feel for her mom in this book. So do I. Because her mom, like she does talk about how her mom, like her, she, her, her husband died. She tried to make it on her own. Mm-hmm. Selling macrame. <laughs> selling macrame. She didn't maybe try that hard. She could have maybe tried to get a different job. Other than selling I don't know. I, like people are now making living selling macrame. So she needed a time machine. <laughs> she needed a time machine to come here. And sell all the macrame. macrame. She'd be rich. She'd be so rich. Um, like she tried and she had to go back. Yeah. And like, you know, she's basically, yeah, been like poor really when she like once held a position of height and she sounds like she's a very sweet woman who's made a determined effort to like invest in her daughter's education yeah and so what she believes the entire book Mm -hmm. is that Cassiopeia has run off with a dude and has sent her one postcard and I'm like Cassiopeia you have done your mother wrong I know I also at the very end I was like I certainly hope she sells at least a few of those black pearls and sends the money to her mother so she can get out of that house yeah and it calls her mother or like writes her a note or shows back up because she does say to Martin that she 
potentially like is going to go back there at some point. Like yeah. she has to go see her mom. She I mean, does. like I did not just run off with a dude. Yeah. Like, and like a dude you never knew. Cause that's not the thing too. Is like, yeah, you'd when, be so worried. When did she have time to meet this dude? Yeah. Like, she would have to like literally meet him that day and left with him. And left and like be yeah. like, mom, I had more sense than that. I was with the God of yeah, like, <laughs> I know. That's only why she was like, mm, I, just I love how she's contemplating <laughs> what she writes to her mom in her yeah. postcard, but like, I'm with the god of death, by the way. <laughs> I know. And there's also the part where she's like, tells him to call her Cassiopeia instead yeah. of like the stone maiden or whatever he's calling her. And she's like, calls him and he looks at her and he's like, it's the Lord of Shibalba. And she's like, well, what am I supposed to do in the middle of the street? Yelled, oh, Lord of Shibalba, can you come over here? <laughs> so good. Yeah. Yeah. So I love Cassiopeia, except for the way she treats her mom. Yes. Because I think that's pretty shitty. It is. But I think it's also very indicative of the fairy tale myth that, like, mm-hmm. we all read the fairy tales where, like, the girls just grow up and, like, their parents like cease to exist if they yeah. had mothers to begin like right. to begin with at the beginning sorry because half the time they're dead like yeah. at least yeah. it's one the dad's dead but that's unusual too mm-hmm. like yeah i know yeah, it's true i also thought and but the other thing it doesn't excuse it but i also did think it seems like it's a such a big journey for her but it's actually like quite a short period of time mm-hmm. right like she's yeah. only gone for like a couple of days which still isn't like maybe more than a couple by the end maybe like a week I know it it seems like a much longer time because mm-hmm. of the travel, but there's a reason that she's so exhausted and she spends a lot of time sleeping. Yeah. I mean, he's draining her life essence. But also, <laughs> she's travel probably, is tiring. And she's probably like, although she took it really well, she's probably like in shock a little bit. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like she really truly did have a choice. Like, No. No, she kind of had to go with him. She could feel that bone charge. She knew. She knew. And it, everyone says, like, it's very clear when you see them, like, they be gods, like. Yeah, 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 and the whole idea. We'll probably talk about more more about this when we get to the myth section. But of the paten, the oh, the yeah. like sacred duty, kind of like the obligation mm-hmm. that once you, you know, do something like she opened the chest, like she's in it. Yeah, like, she's yeah. in it, and she's also like she's such that classic. Like they're all like, yeah. ooh, mm-hmm. and I love how the brother Wakub. Kame mm-hmm. is like at one point been like shit I haven't thought about this girl enough yeah, like she's yeah, yeah. such like a she's, she's messing a player. all the prophecy <laughs> up and she's yeah. yeah like I just thought it was whoever opened the chest but now I see like yeah yeah because of who it was like she has become an important like thing consideration yeah yeah um and I do like how her cousin Martin is like so much worse at doing these things than she is because she's been like really toughened up by circumstances whereas he's led this like privileged life being shitty to people and having people do his bidding and like arrogant and entitled and so he is like not at all prepared to like go on a quest of this sort and it actually talks about how he he wanted to be a big fish in a small pond yeah like that was what his life what he was looking forward to he (laughs) wants to walk down a street where everyone knows him and is deferential Mm -hmm. and like he didn't like going to school where no one cared about him Yeah. yeah and then he had to like get by on his merits and unfortunately he didn't have many yeah yeah yeah, I really like the arc with him, too, in that he doesn't really get redeemed. No. But he's also not pure evil. No, yeah. 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 He can't kill her. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to kill her. Yeah. And actually, by the end of it, I think 
he has respect for her. Like mm-hmm. she has done much better than him and mm-hmm. he can he recognizes that. Yeah. Like she's and I think that's the problem was that like he's always resented her. Like the grandfather made it clear like had mm-hmm. she been a boy, mm-hmm. she would have been preferred yeah. over all others because yeah. she had it. Yeah. yeah. And he's resented her for it. We forgot to hit the spoilers. Oh, um, but well, if they we, come and they are if, happening. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> there will be spoilers for this book. Um, yeah, I do like that Martin doesn't have like a completely evil, but I also like Cassiopeia's huge impact on Hunkame, mm-hmm. where he chooses a different path than mm-hmm. one he has been set upon this entire time, which is revenge, yeah. and instead chooses to um, forgive his brother, to understand, to practice yeah. empathy, yeah, to understand what his brother potentially was going through, mm-hmm. and be like, there is a different way forward, yeah. and his brother is so relieved to have been offered it, yeah. because... It does definitely sound like until his brother was like very discontent and was like, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm never being listened to. And like mm-hmm. this resentment grew within him that they were friends, like that yeah. they were, they were siblings who were happy with each other and liked each they other. They were playing ball together in the ball court in Shibalba. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so he takes the olive branch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She has a huge impact on him. And, mm-hmm. um, what was I gonna say about that? There was something, um, but yeah, no, that is really. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. The part where she um, realizes that maybe she actually has more in common with Wukub Kame than Hun Kame, yes. where she's like, "Wait a minute, you're the Martin, and he's the me. Like, yeah. yeah, you're the." older sibling who was always like of course it's your place to do what I tell you to mm-hmm. and she's like well no wonder but then there is a little wrench in the plan that he's trying to like bring back torture and human sacrifice which she, you know, she doesn't really want for humankind nobody but, wants that well, well he does <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah no I really like that part where she has that realization where yeah. she's just been like oh well Hunkame is the good guy. Like I'm helping him out. He was wronged to be like. Well, this is actually more like nuanced mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. Honorable mention. Oh right. Well, I like Lore. I like Lore. Um, he's a pretty. He's got like a sense of humor, which not many in this book have. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't really like. Um, What's the guy at the end when they're in Baja? Oh, the um, the sorcerer man? Mm-hmm. No, I don't like him. I don't like him, but I like the way he's described wearing like a mustard colored suit with like a little mustache. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I just like, did you ever see the promos for that um, Rebecca uh, Netflix? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Army mm-hmm. Hammer is just like wandering around in a mustard suit. <laughs> I didn't watch it, but I heard that all he wore with the entire movie was a mustard suit. Yeah. And I was like, someone's decided that Army Hammer looks good in that. <laughs> well, maybe, uh, maybe this guy was, maybe he was inspired by this guy. Zavala? Was that the guy? Yes, that's the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like, yeah, like other characters. Like it's really the two of them. So often. And Hun Kame, when, like, 
as he becomes more human, becomes like a good character. He's a good character. He's um, although I did note that when he and the ocean side time, mm. he did start to become like a little bit of a typical chauvinistic male, oh. you know, where he was like, whatever, like what you think doesn't matter. Like I'm here. Um, and I was just like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Nope. No, no, no. Go back to the underworld. Well, I do hate that she has to be more responsible than him, mm-hmm. but he literally does say that he's forgetting. Yes. Like, yeah. But it's weird because, like, okay, he's forgetting what it is to be a god and he's becoming human, but he's also just got what, like, lapses in his memory that he can't remember telling her about what it would be. Or hmm. she's the one that has to remember. Or, well, that's see, it's not clear because I was kind of like he probably still knows what the situation is, even if he doesn't remember. It he's becoming God. selfish. He's becoming selfish. Yeah, hmm. where he's like, yeah, because yeah, he says to her like, "We'll just go away. Like, what does it matter what happens to a small portion um, of humanity?" Yeah, and she's like, "Well, no, it matters." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. He becomes yeah, like I guess yeah. He's becoming more typically human than she is. Like mm-hmm. he's a bit more Martin again, like yeah. a bit more like Martin, where he's a little bit more selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So she's really like a unique person. Yeah, in this where she's like, I'm willing to sacrifice my happiness for the overall. Like, well, and I think that is why he falls in love with her because mm-hmm. again and again you mm-hmm. see him being surprised even as a god, by yeah. the way she reacts and the way she thinks about things. Yeah. And they talk about how his one eye starts to only reflect her. And yeah. it's before we really even get a sense that he has, he's mm-hmm. he's distracted by her on yeah. his quest. Like, she totally. continually surprises yeah. him. And I should have said that for <clears throat> a magic moment. Because I love that, like, metaphor becoming literal, where, like, she's literally reflected in his eye that before when he was just God, it couldn't reflect anything. Yeah. And then as he becomes more human, it starts to be able to reflect things and she's what it reflects. Like just the, the symbolism of that. Symbolism. Oh, it's so good. So good. I love that. Yeah. Um, All right. Should we pull a prompt? Yes. Let's pull a prompt. Character question prompts. Ooh. Which character would you want with you if you were marooned on a desert island? Oh, well, I feel like Cassiopeia would be the most resourceful. Yeah. Unless, you know, Hunkame has some of his powers and then he could just get you off the desert island. Yeah, there's that. Or but, the giant owl. You could just fly away. But the, the thing would be a desert island, Hunkame could come because it would be oh, middle world right and like it would have to be pretty close to the shores of yucatan to be <laughs> indeed indeed um <laughs> what about Lore? oh yeah that'd be pretty good because i'm sure he'd find a way i'm sure he'd find a way because he can he can descend again? into he was stuck in merida and he couldn't leave. He was like bound to the city's edges. But if he could descend in the into the underworld, he could so walk the road. He could walk the road and then exit wherever. Wherever. So he was a demon. Right? He was a demon. Yeah. What kind of nice demon it seemed like with really green eyes. Yes, very old green eyes. Old green eyes. I love me some like, old green. <laughs> <laughs> and also like very generous with fancy clothing. Uh, yeah, it was and nice. money. He was like wiring them money the whole I time. I know the whole time when he was like, I shouldn't really be picking sides, but here's the money. I know. Well, it's funny because like for they kept checking into those fancy hotels and I was always like, 
Yeah, how is he paying this? Is this just like trickery where he can just like make them think? But then oh, yeah. it, he was like, Laurie's been wiring me money. <laughs> and I'm like, also, like she taught, like at one point it's talked about how he like had just like, you know, middle world had turned their back on them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he had looked inward to Jabalba. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really know about like any of the advances and yeah. didn't care to. So I'm like, so he wasn't like, whoa, elevators, like, whoa, cars, yeah. like, whoa, wire transferring money. Like, like, I didn't even know to ask for that. I know, but also, like, adapted so smoothly that, yeah. like, she doesn't even notice that it's happening. Like, when is yeah. he going and waiting in, like, the Western Union office? Like, <laughs> I'm like, how is it addressed, like, to the Lord of Shivalba? <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some details here that... Yeah, there's some questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah some questions. Can we, like, hello, Lori? It's the Lord of Jabalba. I need some more money. Yeah, he maybe he sent like he doesn't really talk about him having messengers though. He must No. Yeah. It's yeah, there's some questions. There. I'd also like to talk about the fact that when he like turns back into a god, uh-huh. it like makes him topless. <laughs> and he's wearing a loincloth. <laughs> and he's wearing a loincloth. And she's just like, oh. Like, and a cape, yeah, it's like a cape made of moth wings. Yes. And she's just like, that's a good look for you. <laughs> <laughs> she's so into it. She's so into it. Oh, I guess that's another magic moment when the land becomes flowered because Jababa oh. has recognized like yeah. the true love he had for her. Mm-hmm. And like that red flowers. Red flowers. Yeah. And that forevermore, like there are flowers in like what the kingdom of death mm-hmm. because of their time together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so here it is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> in turn, his clothing changed, the jacket and trousers he'd used in Middle World dissolving. A black loincloth replaced his old outfit. A cape made from the wings of black moths fell upon his shoulders, and on his chest rested his jade green necklace. Cassiopeia blinked, swaying for an instant, and looked at Hunkame attired in his magnificence. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Bing. Is this because he's got his eye back? Or is he not yet crowned? Because there's also like the crown description is quite, I was like, whoa. I think that's like right, like it's right after right. she like is resurrected. And right. Her things, her muddy dress, like her black dress is changed to a bright crimson dress. Yeah. And then he's attired in his magnificence. Um. Yeah, and like their last oh, yes, moment together, he eyes. like enfolds her in his cape, mm-hmm. and then like the next moment, she's like alone in the hotel room. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the other character that crossed my mind was, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, like Shatabe, the 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 woman, the like woman, the sorceress, um, the entrappedist woman, or the one who takes the blood. Which one is that? The which. The one who, like, tries to, like, entrap, like, Cassiopeia with the plants. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. She's, um... She's a good character. She's... Yeah, like, and she's an interesting figure, like, that, um... Because I looked it up, and, like, that is, like, a type of, like, all of these characters, like, the Uwe Chivo, like, the goat guy. Oh, the goat guy. Um, and the Mamlab, who mm. was... Yeah, like, they're all figures from, obviously, from Mayan mythology, mm-hmm. and she's sort of, like, the, um, yeah, like, the the classic mythological figure of, like, the the, tre- the treacherous woman who will, like, try to seduce you. And, yeah. like, yeah. Um, she's the Circe, if you will. <laughs> um, 
yeah. So, but yeah, no, I think that of all of the myth figures, other than the main ones, I think Laurie is my favorite. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, ain't that a name? Names in the book that deserve a mention. Okay. Does she plan to call him Rudolph? What? No. <laughs> Isn't that the name that she picked for him? Oh, Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Why did she get Rudolph? Oh, I think I was thinking of Rudolph Valentino because I think it talks about it his influence yes. on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, But Francisco, to me, is not that much better. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, was it her father's name? It was something to do, not her, oh. it was something to do with her father. But yeah, that's the name she had picked for him. Yeah. But she won't say it because if she says it. Yeah. The things that she say keeps becoming real because mm-hmm. she's got a little bit of magic in her. That's an interesting through line in this book, too, that mm-hmm. we should talk about more in the other. In the yeah, because like she's got God powers and she unconsciously keeps using them. Yeah. And he keeps warning her, like, you say these things, mm-hmm. like, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, it is interesting that he's just like, give, yeah, give me a name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and I could become that guy, like, mm-hmm. and I would not remember anything. Yeah, I also have to say though that like no one really talks about when Wacob like gives them their proposal, like you kill yourself, then you kill yourself, and then I'll resurrect you both. Like, what guarantee is there of that? I know, I know. There was really like <laughs> they, they don't would, really talk about that part, and I'm like, be a lot of trust. I, I wouldn't trust that. No, unless there was some way he could have, like, bound him to... Mm. I feel like that's something gods could probably do. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it didn't really go into those details. Yeah. Um, I will say um, that I thought the first time I read this book, mm-hmm. came in, I thought that was just potentially, like, um, the word that they use in Mexico for, like, crocodiles or something like that. I didn't. The caiman. The caiman. I never knew that there was crocodiles, alligators, and caimans. Yeah, I did not know that. Did you know that growing up? Because I feel like very much children are taught alligators, crocodiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I had to look it up too. Yeah. I didn't know. I thought at first when they were talking about, it, I thought it was a big fish, but then when it like walked out of the pond, <laughs> I was like, hold on. <laughs> when it walked out, I got that they were crocodiles, and I just thought it was like you know, the way that all their names come from myth, but yeah. no, it's like a real animal. And yeah. in fact, the black one mm-hmm. is the biggest one in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. Scary. I don't like it. Except for when it like takes you in its mouth out of the black lake of Shibalba after you've cut your throat and p- deposits you back on the shore, then it's okay. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's clearly on your side. But it's clearly on your side. Yeah. 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 But, um, Yeah. So that was, I thought it was a name, but it's not, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a name of a thing. It's a name of a thing. (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah. So a lot of, obviously a lot of the names are um, Mayan. mm -hmm. So based on the pronunciation guide I found on the internet, it's Shibalba, not Zibalba, which is how I was initially saying it, but Mm. X's are pronounced with a sh sound. And Wukub Kame, instead of Vukub Kame, is how I understand it. Oh, I was saying Wakub. You were saying, <laughs> you were saying Wakub. Uh, serum will spin on it. Oh, gosh. Just um, another book in this series that I butcher pronunciation. <laughs> um, what other names are there? So there's Cassiopeia, which is obviously a great name. It's a great but name. But we couldn't figure out if it was Cassiopeia mm-hmm. or Cassiopeia. 
And I think both are... I think both are right. And for some reason, one naturally comes out of my mouth. I can't change it. I tried. It's okay. (laughs) And the other one naturally comes out of my mouth because of Joanna Newsom, who has a song in where she says Cassiopeia. And we might just play that right now. Cassiopeia. Um, and I also love the fact that she's named for a constellation because her dad was an astronomer. Mm-hmm. And the I like that little neat tie-in because her dad, as it says um, multiple times in this book, was an indigenous man, mm. which is part of the reason why, because of all of the discrimination and the class, you know, um, bullshit in Mexico at the time and probably yeah. still now, um, much like here, the indigenous people were seen as like a lower class, yeah, right? Darker. Yeah. yeah. And so that's part of the reason why she's less respected in her family. It's because she's darker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I also love that little shout out to like the Mayan culture because um, in a lot of the reading I was doing in preparation for this, the Mayan, um, the ancient Mayan civilization, they were like so advanced in their, both their mathematics and their astronomy. So there, I know we've all heard of the Mayan calendar because Mm -hmm. there was so much (laughs) about like the end of the world being in 2012 or whatever that whole thing was. But, um, yeah, they had really accurately, um, broken like up the, into like, you know, yearly cycles and like lunar cycles and star cycles. And they were very advanced in their astronomy and they were also using, um, the concept of zero in their math, which like nobody else was doing at the time. Mm. So they were super advanced in both math and astronomy. And I read a thing that was like astronomy and mathematics are like intricately interwoven into the myth of Mm. this culture. Um, so I thought that was really a really cool nod to that, that her father was an astronomer and had named her after a star. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really liked that. I really liked that. Oh, that's not the other magic moment when Mm -hmm. she talks about the stars throughout and like the dreams and at the very end, they stand in the ocean together Mm -hmm. and look up at the stars. Yeah. The very end of him being human. Yeah. Yeah. So sweet. So good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any other names? I mean, Martin is not a super special name. No. Um, Cirillo is her grandfather. I feel like Martin, like in modern times, because the um, books, the magicians also have a Martin, and he's also not a great dude. Mm. Martin's Martin's becoming a name of a jerk. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, you're a Martin. Mm. Martin Scorsese. I don't like his movie. Yeah. All right, then. Okay. Okay. That's names. Boop, boop, boop. Oh, I have two. Oh, are there any cats in this book? Oh. <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I do remember there's like a, there's a mention of a cat. There's owls and crocodiles and parrots. Parrots and Parrots ravens. and bad omen. Yeah. And goats. Um, monkeys, monkeys. And snakes. Snakes. I just want to say, <laughs> while we're talking Bats. about animals, that I love that like they go on this contest, Martin and Cassiopeia, to walk the black road in Shibalba. And she has to face all these horrific 
um, monsters and trials. And like the worst thing that happens to Martin is he gets rocks thrown at him by a bunch of monkeys. <laughs> and then the road becomes sticky. Yeah. <laughs> and he can't get away from all the monkeys that are throwing rocks at him. I just, and he freaks out. He's like yeah. shrieking. He, can't he doesn't get it. any further. She's gaining on him. Like, <laughs> Meanwhile, she's I think like, the road recognizes. Yeah. And these monkeys are like, what an asshole. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, that's all we need to do. It's going to really trip him up. <laughs> Anyway, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so no cats. I don't, I don't think, think so. I don't think there's any cats. No. no. Okay. All right. There we go. Um, what was your other one that you had pulled, or did you put it back? I put it back. Okay. I didn't even look. Oh. I think that might be it. It's probably it, and it's an exciting one. Keanu Reads. You're crazy. You're fucking crazy. Um, How are we going to connect Keanu to this? I got nothing. Well, now that you say that, I'm stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Surely Keanu has done something with the uh, underworld. (laughs) Oh, he totally has. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of the movie Constantine because that's obviously like, you know, there's angels and devils and all that situation. Is there a basketball court? An underworld basketball court? I don't remember if there's an underworld (laughs) basketball court. I don't think there is. You know, it's kind of, it's a little bit like the second Matrix movie. <laughs> oh, well, I haven't seen that, so you can enlighten okay. me. Okay, well, only because um, in the second Matrix movie, they really expand out on the virtual world. Okay. And, like, there are all these, like, players that are, represent viruses and, like, other, like, oh. beings of, like, power and whatnot. So you're encountering all these, like, they look like people, but they're mm-hmm. actually, like, viruses or is what have COVID? you. COVID? COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but they actually like all have like powers within the matrix. Okay. And I kind of feel a little bit like meeting all the different gods mm. and like they look like people, but then right. they have all these like powers that reveal to themselves. It's a little bit like that. All right. I'll buy it. I did it. You did it. I did well it. done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do. All right. Whoa now, problematic things in the book. Whoa there. <clears throat> well, I mean, this is not problematic, but let's just shout out to like all the references to like indigenous people mm-hmm. and like calling out of like slavery, like mm-hmm. even like of Vietnamese people who have been brought over, like mm-hmm. misled and then like enslaved. And yeah. uh, so I would definitely say this is one of the first books that we've talked about that's mm-hmm. like mentioned so many different cultures. Yeah. And like, yeah, their links to the, to the various societies. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And calls out class, mm-hmm. calls out like colorism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I actually don't really think there is anything problematic. In no, just book. that he becomes a normal douchey man potentially at the end yeah. or he wants to he tries <laughs> tries real hard she shuts him down but um she's like let's have none of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so be better be better than your average douchey human man yeah yeah that's the moral of the story really it, it really is um if martin just tried to be nicer which is what she tells him like yeah. he's like i don't want to go back home she's like well maybe in a while like maybe you could go like travel and work on becoming like a nicer person and he does. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Like, her grandfather is an ass, but that's, like... Well, you have to wonder if, like, Martin couldn't be changed by that experience. Like, mm-hmm. then no he hope. would have been an unredeemable person who would have tried to kill her. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, I think all of the pro- people doing problematic things are, as you say, called out in the narrative. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one thing that I, <laughs> like, definitely going to walk a line here. I'm not advocating human sacrifice okay. and torture. Yeah. However, that was an important part of Mayan culture. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the blood runneth. The blood runneth. So it's interesting, like, now it's like, well, we don't, you know, she's trying to fight against the mm-hmm. return of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but who's to say it's not a fine way of life? <laughs> <laughs> well, have you ever seen the movie? And I'm sure you have not, even as I say this, Apocalypto. <laughs> No, you're accurate. I have not seen it. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's completely in the Mayan language. Okay. Yeah, um, problematic. Problematic mention, Mel Gibson. Because <laughs> oh, he made Apocalypto. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> now when you say it's in the Mayan language, and I know I've talked about the pronunciation. Like the dead Mayan language, I think. But I think there's like a lot of different, I don't think there is like one homogenous. I just want to say that. Oh, yes. No, I think you're right. Like yeah. I actually think at the back of my book, it talks about like 28 different like dialects yeah. and what have you. It's in some kind yeah. because I think it's not even like spoken. So like they had to yeah. like work with like yeah. dialect coaches and whatever. It's an intense movie. Okay. And I'm only bringing it up because I read a hilarious review of it before I actually watched it in which the guys like because it's a lot of sacrifice like there's a lot of violence in this movie and like there's being sacrificing to like the sun like people's getting Mm -hmm. heads lopped off and the review at one point is like you become so used to this that like you know when like the next person gets sacrificed you're like well it is Tuesday It's gonna have to happen. Yeah. So that just made me think of that. That like by the end of Apocalypse, you're like, oh yeah, it's just life. Like it sounds you say like perhaps it's not a bad way to live. But it seems pretty shitty. Yeah. To be the people who are sacrificed. Indeed. And I think that had the Mayan culture not been exterminated or attempted to be exterminated by the various colonizers, Mm. that probably that culture would have evolved. Exactly. To maybe not do so much sacrificing. There's Um, a lot of shitty ways that people have been treated in history that as people have become like mm -hmm. progressed that they have moved on from that. So yeah, potentially they would not be doing that now anyways. Yeah. I think that does it for this section. (laughs) It does. Okay. Ooh, are, is there any... Anybody dancing the Paphian jig in this book? Well, there's definitely dancing. (laughs) (laughs) There is some dancing, but no sex dancing. No sex dancing. Uh, Some references to it. Yeah. Because... No, Wacob. Wukub. Wukub. And uh, what's her name again? Shatabe? They were lovers at yes. a point, and yes. he is like promised that she'd become like the queen of death, I guess. Or yeah, that she would like rule a, with him. Yeah, rule with him. And Hoon is like, that's not how it works. Yeah. He can't make you a god. You weren't born of the asteroid. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they've definitely gotten it on. Mm-hmm. She's trying to get it on with Hoon Kame, like seduce yeah. him. I like yeah. how it talks about how she's like a different, beautiful person from like every angle mm-hmm. Be- mm-hmm. to appeal to as many people as possible. Yeah. Um, and of course, like there's some kisses. Mm-hmm. Cassiopeia. It's definitely a lot of sexual tension. A lot of sexual tension. They sleep in the same bed, but she's yeah. so exhausted. She generally says it does it not matter. Yeah. Um, she's got a real interesting relationship with like propriety based on what 
how she was raised and her limited view of the world she's had up until this adventure. So she definitely thinks that, like, when she bobs her hair, people are going to think she's a sex worker. Yeah, and she's also, like... Her skirt goes like above her knees, and she's like, "Oh, I don't think it goes it. above her knees. It goes above her ankles." I thought it was like they show. I think it's like the flopper style when they dance, their knees oh, like okay. when they when walk. Like yeah, yeah. I think if they walk quickly down the street, it flashes. Yeah, is that when they used to like they used to like powder their knees or something or something like that? Why? To make them more attractive. Powder your knees, huh? There was something to do with knees. Anyway. Well, I mean, you don't want to have dry skin knees. <laughs> Moisturize that. <laughs> Moisturize it, yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, so she's got that whole baggage that she is trying, that she, basically, she does overcome it fairly well, where she's just, like, realizes that, like, oh, people aren't necessarily, like, looking at me or staring at me differently. <clears throat> um... But yeah, unfortunately, Kame never gets to experience the full pleasures of the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. <clears throat> and she gets to see him bare chested and gets cloth. swept up in his cape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's also that part at the beginning when he's like, I'm going to use you as bait. Oh, yeah. For that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the guy is like, oh, let's go into the forest. And, like, you know, he thinks he's luring her. She's actually luring him. Yeah. And she, like, binds his hand with the magic rope. Yeah. But um, that turns pretty, like, there's definitely a threat of violence there. Yes. Um, but I will say only after he's found that he's magically bound, right? Yes. And then, but then afterwards when he's like, well, you know, this has been pretty oh, shitty yeah. for me. Like, you could just give me her. That would make up for it. Yeah. Like, that's not cool. Ma'am lab. That's not cool. It's not cool, ma'am lab. <laughs> Was that the ma'am lab? Was he the that one was the ma'am lab. Wasn't that, like, the youngest one of the ma'am lab? Yeah, I guess. So I do love the part where, hold on, I actually wrote this down, this page reference, because she's like, uh, what's... Like, what's his name? And she's just like, and he, this god, he has a name then? The man is called Juan. (laughs) And Kame said laconically, sipping his coffee. She's like, Juan? What kind of name is that for a god? Sometimes he is Juan, sometimes he is Lord Thunder. (laughs) Sometimes not. (laughs) I did enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I wonder what his secret name that he had inside himself was. You never find out. You never find out. No. Um, I don't know what we're on anymore. Oh, uh, sex in the book. Sex in the book. So no sex. No, no sex. No sex. All right. Maiden mother grown. What is feminist about this retelling? Well, I think we've kind of covered that. Like, the mm-hmm. Cinderella, but she has far more agency and is mm-hmm. not like, this is the best life ever. Yeah. Um, the fact that, like, she saves him. Yeah. Like, she sacrifices from himself. From himself. Mm-hmm. From becoming either a douchey human or his brother raining down beheadings and blood everywhere. Yeah. So she saves it all um, by sacrificing herself. Mm-hmm. She is the one who has to, like, do battle. I mean, they keep on being mm-hmm. all snobby, being like, gods don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, it's like, true. <laughs> like, you who are far less equipped for this should probably do that. On my behalf. 
<laughs> yeah. while I sit in a chair and watch you <laughs> yeah. beside my brother. Yeah, like, it's not cool, guys. Can you just imagine that room, the sand map, and the brother's like, ooh, ooh, oh, I see. <laughs> I feel like, like a popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> popcorn. <laughs> like, ah. Uh, Mm. Uh, Edge of my you, seat here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's clear. Um, and also I think there's like the whole, um, it's an interesting thing that one of the reasons why Martin is so, um, like hates her so much is because of her grandfather being like, why couldn't you be a boy? Yeah. That like, there's this understanding that because she's female, she can't inherit. She can't be the head of the family. She can't yeah. do any of the things that Martin is supposed to do, even though she's far more suited to it than he is. Yeah. Though at one point he does admit that when they first came, they were friends and they were starting to play. Yeah. And his mother told him that he wasn't allowed to, that yeah. she was lesser and yeah. brown. So that had already started. Yeah, for sure. Before. And he was like, I sometimes, he likes to, he, he, like to remember the insult and just be like, this was the moment. Yeah. But it was really like, you mm-hmm. know, also from the family. Yeah. Yeah. Snobby jerks. Definitely some like racism happening right. there and classism and all of that stuff. And probably also because like his mother married into the family mm-hmm. and, but like married the oldest boy. Yeah. And so like to have her place, like, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Like the favorite daughter comes back, like she. Yeah, yeah. But it does make you wonder if, um, if her mother, like, if she had been a boy, despite mm. all of those things, how well, would her position have been different? Well, it would have probably been more elevated. Yeah, because I do think that, like, at that time period, like in the twenties, like it would have been here, like, mm-hmm. when boy, you, like, you have more freedoms. You're going for to sure. inherit, like, girls but are even for if, marriage. Yeah. Like, so even though she would be half indigenous and like darker yeah. than the rest, she of she would them, have been more valued. She would have been more valued, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting for her to like get out of her small town to see like some of the freedoms that women are claiming for themselves in bigger cities. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually not that much of a stretch for her to like do the things she wanted to do, like dance to fast music and drive a car. And like women were doing those things. It's just yeah. that she didn't have the opportunity to until the end. Yeah, I like how she learns to drive a car at the end. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about bolters in context of this book. It really is heinous of you, Bolter. All right. So um, clearly she is the bolter, I think. That's pretty yeah. obvious. She bolts. She pretty, bolts. Pretty quick. Pretty quick. Um, we were talking earlier about how this is more like a classic fairy tale kind of bolt. You know, mm-hmm. a magical being or a magical incident comes into your life and you're like seize onto that and you go on an adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her bolt... Unlike some of the other bolts we've talked about where, like, it was women being trapped into loveless marriages because of the restrictions of the time or whatever, hers is much more of, like, a she's deemed to be lower class. She doesn't have the opportunities that um, more wealthy or more connected people would have. And so her life is basically stretching before her as, like, a life of servitude. Yes. And so that's what she's bolting from. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of hilarious because obviously she 
actually doesn't really have a choice because no. of the bone shard. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. has to go with him, but she's at first like, you think I'm coming with you? And he's like, well, aren't you? Like, <laughs> look around. Like, <laughs> Yeah. He's like looking around her grandfather's house and he's like, I don't know why you would stay. Yeah. <laughs> I've taken one look and that's all I needed. <laughs> and so he, yeah, he's just like, and then I think he does tell her about the bone shard. Like, he's like, you have to come. Yep. But at first he's like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> like, and fair. And fair. <laughs> yeah. And so, but she's also, she's bolting from this whole life that is laid out for her mm-hmm. of servitude and being mocked and demeaned by her cousin who mm-hmm. will then become like the man of the house. Yeah. And like to have that dynamic repeated, like when he is actually in a position of authority, like even more so than he is now. Oh, for sure. And like, I mean, whoever he marries, like, I mean, he mm. could marry a nice person, but generally... A nice person wouldn't marry him. No. And generally that kind of like, you know, that coveting of like the power, yeah, like that would be the way, especially because she is beautiful and educated, mm-hmm. like... And sassy. And sassy. So someone else is probably going to want to dominate her too. And so yeah. like there's this whole future. But she is bolting towards a dream mm-hmm. because she has always wanted to go to the city. Yeah. She's got a lot of uh, ambition and yeah. that she just has never had any scope to explore. And I love how at the end of this, there is no returning. Like, yeah. well, she just goes off in the end and uh, onto, onto more adventures. Yeah. It's like the never ending bolt. The never ending bolt. I love it. It's the adult version of the never ending story. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I do also, um, there's a couple more things that I wanted to shoehorn in here. Okay. Shoehorn away. (laughs) Um, I like the, there's like, I feel like there's such a good mixture of the supernatural, if you will, like challenges and quest with the mundane in Mm. this book where... She at one point she when she I think it's when she's talking about like writing to her mother and she's like ghosts like let's get back to dealing with like monsters and ghosts and demons because like that's easier than trying to think about like what's gonna happen with my family when I have to go home after all this yes. and like it's like yeah sometimes if you had like a distraction to fight like a demon it might be easier than dealing with your dysfunctional family yes yeah yeah. I think it's one of those things that it's like there's the urgency you can't think of anything else Mm -hmm. like yeah like yeah so I like that and I also like that um there's also like this thread too about grief in there where she one of the first things she does when she's on the first train with Hun Kimmei is like ask him about her dad because mm. she's like can I talk to him like is he in Shibalba can you contact him and mm-hmm. he explains to her he can't but like there's this whole piece about her forgetting his voice and like yeah like I just that's also like another thread to her like whole experience and yeah. who she is as a character right um and yeah, this the concept of like th- naming things gives them power, mm. <clears throat> which is it's. I find that really fascinating. That's definitely like a, a theme throughout this book, um, and I feel like we've seen that in other books too about yeah. myth. But it's also like the flip side of that is like naming things can also take away their power, mm. right? Like in in 
in life as opposed to like in myth making, which this book is right. very concerned. And at the very beginning, Laurie's like, I'm interested in myth making. That's why I'm like giving you all these clothes. Like I have a weakness for myth making. And yeah. that's basically what they talk about doing at the end, right? Like the patan or like the obligation is because they're in the middle of this really important story that they're helping to shape. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really interesting contrasted with like the idea that if you name something, you can also like take away its power because once you understand it, then you can like dismantle its hold over you. Yeah. Well, I feel like she has that fear because even as she's, she unconsciously names things, Mm -hmm. um, but she won't name the things like she won't name her secret heart's desire that they would like, because she forgets that they won't be together afterwards. And then as it starts to come upon her, like her, yeah. But I guess it's not so secret of a desire because... It's like that quote from Kids in the Hall. Dogs know it. (laughs) (laughs) Wackham knows it. It's obvious. It's obvious. He's like... She's like, "Ah, how did you know? (laughs) But it's also probably a different thing to have other people Mm -hmm. know it, to have her say it. Yeah, well, I think it's... um, There's many a song been written about, like, Mm -hmm. the feelings between two people that everyone else can see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that part where she's like, after this is over and he's kind of like, I'm not going to be a human. Like, I'm not going to remember what this was like. And she's like, oh, there isn't going to be an after. Mm-hmm. Um, Even if she wins, she loses. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot actually that there was a glossary in the back of this book. So if people, if you haven't read this, there's a glossary in the back of this book. Because right. I was Googling um, terms. And then when I got to the end, I was like, oh, right. The glossary. Um Ooh, okay. I want to read this from the glossary. Okay. Kaknoek, fire tail star, a large comet or asteroid. The pre-colonial Maya don't necessarily distinguish between comets, asteroids, and meteors the way we do. For example, comets are defined by their size with Kaknoek, meaning a large fiery star. Smaller ones are named Chamal Zuten, which literally means warlock's cigar. But when this cigar is discarded, it can become a meteor, and there is such a thing as Halal Ek, a fast-moving star. Other terms were also employed. In the novel, I utilize Kakno Ek because in my narrative, it was a large celestial body that gave birth to the gods of the Maya. But one could argue Halal Ek u Halal Ek Sutam, or another term might also be appropriate. Hmm. So yeah, I guess that's a really interesting idea. Gods born from... Because it makes you think like, well, then are they just aliens? Ooh. Well, I mean, they've got the Mayan temple, which is very, like, much like a pyramid, too, Mm. right? And Mm -hmm. of course, pyramids, alien culture. Mm. Boo. No? Well, no, because, you know, I was. Apparently, there's. Because I was in that cult for that short time. (laughs) Yeah, but apparently, there's been a lot more uh, alien sightings this past year. Of course, there have. Yeah. Why do you think? People have been home more. And what does that mean? <laughs> they just have more time to go crazy. Oh, see, they're saying people are home more and they have more time to be outside looking up. <laughs> but maybe the other. People are really desperate for some meaning right now. <laughs> um, also, gross, but can we just say that Shibalba has a river of blood and a river of pus? Ew! Yeah, that's gross. Uh, the so pus one gross. always gets me. I'm like, does it mm. flow? Like, oh. <laughs> and Martin does also come across that. He's like, come on. 
<laughs> yeah, Martin, that's what your life is, a river of pus. And monkeys throwing rocks. I <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, okay. I think we've uh, done this book. We have. All right. It's a good one. Quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Highly recommend. Indeed. All right. So next time, it's going to be another one. Who knows what? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right. All right. Yeah.